Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are in the midst of early portions of training camp. The Browns have trickled in. As you know, these are being pre-recorded. It's Sunday. I'm, I'm having a nice conversation with our guest. So if anything crazy happens between now and then with any of these position battles, I'm sorry. We'll update you when we get back. I just want to have some fresh content. So uh, we are going to welcome in Fred Greetham, who is our beat reporter. So make sure you check out Fred's work at the OBR. Make sure you can follow him on Twitter, Fred Greetham on Twitter. And um, as Fred will be a part of all the things we do as the beat reporter at training camp, he'll be there. He'll be doing everything he can to cover every angle of this team as he always does. He'll be a part of our Twitch episodes, which you have hopefully been watching our Twitch episodes that have been running. We've been doing those live. I will be joining it live Wednesday. Fred, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, man. You know, good. just uh, got done, got done. First move of camp, JOK comes in with COVID. And uh, <laughs> so got some news already out of the gate. Not good news, but yeah, we're ready to go. <laughs> Hopefully between now and then when this episode airs, there'll be some better news on the uh, on the horizon. We will, uh, I, like I said, the Browns will be there. The, you, you fans won't be there until maybe the 30th. But the Browns will be going through some things, and we wanted to talk about position battles that are going to be the most interesting to pay attention to. So I told Fred ahead of time to check out four of which he was most interested in. So we'll just kind of go one by one, see if we have some similar ones, and, and talk through what we think about those battles and who we think might win them. So Fred, go ahead and give me your, your first uh, battle that you're paying close attention to. I think more than anything, um, a lot of the battles this year are going to be under the radar, more for backup positions, bottom of the roster. But as far as the most uh, glamorous or top of the list to me probably would be, is Grady Williams going to be able to hold off Greg Newsom, you know, as the out, outside cornerback opposite of Denzel Ward? I mean, you drafted Newsom, obviously, if you just go by pure rankings, um, all things being equal, the 26th guy on on a team's board would probably be favored to win over a guy who was 44th on their board if that's how when they drafted him but I would say Greedy Williams would be the incumbent but they drafted Newsom to be either the starter or to play a lot as the third guy so that to me is probably the number one battle you know that I would see heading into camp yeah I think I think that is spot on the number one battle to pay attention to. And I would agree that a lot of these are under the radar. The ones that I'm drawn to, I don't, I, that's the first one that I had written down. It's especially a battle that if it, if it goes awry, which means if greedy shoulder ends up being worse than what we think it is. I know we saw Brian pool and Steven Nelson already signed, but they're going to have to start looking at corner depth around the NFL and see if maybe there's a Ronnie Harrison like trade out there. I don't know. I'm just, projecting i hope greedy's fine if he's healthy those two guys i think are starting quality corners so that battle uh at, at the very beginning at least we'll see if maybe they do end up moving greg newsome around as they flirted with there in minicamp uh, i don't know if they'll end up doing that but they did talk about it it was an answered question 
uh, from Joe Wood. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, that's the number one for me. Go ahead and hit your second one. Well, I would say, I don't know if this is really a bad on I me. Mean, Joe Woods wants to play three safeties, but usually you list two as the starters. And will it be opposite John Johnson? Will it be Ronnie Harrison or Grant Delpit? I think obviously Grant Delpit was drafted with big plans last year, missed the whole year with the Achilles. You don't know how he's going to do coming off that. But I think the silver lining there is that Ronnie Harrison, it forced them to go get a guy last year. And Harrison really showed that he could really be a, a playmaker. He had better stats in, in half the season than the other guys that were playing, you know, ahead of him. So I think that with a year off season under his belt, I think he really could be a big player. And I think it takes some of the pressure off Grant Delpit having to start right away. But with that being said, we'll see if, if Delpit, you know, rises and he ends up beating out Harrison and he ends up being the starter. But I think that could be another, you know, intriguing battle to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like you said, they, we want to talk about how many times these guys are going to all be on the field together, but they can't all get high volume of snaps. Like they're just going to, you know, you can, you can play a nickel and you can play a safety. It's going to be week to week. If, if they're going to use three of them more than 30 snaps, it's just, it's not a thing where all of them can be on the field all together at the same time. We'll see what it shakes out to look like eventually, but for now, somebody's got to get the starter reps there. And I, I think that, that battle, at least on the surface there, will be entertaining. Uh, I'm going to switch wide receiver. I don't like calling it a wide receiver three battle. I think there's there's different roles that you can have inside or outside. To me, the battle that I'm intrigued with is the one that went to the person nobody talks about last year. I think people forget, Fred, Kaderil Hodge won the battle for the first up outside wide receiver on the depth chart when when camp broke. So if, if, if Jarvis can go and and, and whatever, 12 personnel. And if they ran 11 and needed an outside receiver, that was Kaderil Hodge. He was, he took the role. And I think they weren't even dressing Rashard Higgins at the beginning of the season. If I recall, Fred, they took a couple games. I think it was three or four games before even into week five, because week five Kaderil Hodge got hurt in, in warmups, if I recall. And then that forced Donovan Peoples Jones onto the field. They didn't even dress Higgins. So that's that's an interesting thing to me is everybody talks about Higgins and I like Higgins. I like Richard. He came on obviously nicely, but is he a lock to be the first receiver up in outside wide receiver position scenarios? I don't know. That's what's interesting to me because people just seem to think, well, Richard will get the, I don't know. All I'm saying is who emerges out of that, that the three people, you know, between Hodge Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who emerges? I think Anthony Schwartz, they'll keep to a very specific role that he won't really be competing for this for the bulk of, of snaps in the in the scenario where maybe they don't have Odell or they don't have Jarvis for whatever reason. So that that battle is, is one of intrigue to me because if they end up keeping only five receivers, then it becomes an even tighter battle where it feels like one of those three wouldn't be on the roster. So I think everybody sleeps on Hodge. I know our guy Cody Swex made a great point that of his 11 catches, all of them went for first downs, which is the only person in the NFL to do that last year. He had an over 16 yards per catch average. I think he makes big plays. He catches the football well. If he can stay healthy, he's a special teams guy they like a lot. I think he's got a bigger role here than people think. So that's one that's interesting, uh, particularly interesting to me with wide receiver because it won't likely won't matter a ton, but it, it, just like last year, it, it could end up mattering more than you think it does if something happens to somebody. So that's, that's one that catches my mind. 
that's what I had as my third one first on the offense was who's going to be number three. And one thing that I think, you know, I've said that all along, Hodge was overlooked and he was the three receiver because he blocks, he blocks downfield. And that's what, you know, with the tight ends and in this system, they want a blocking wide receiver. And so, yeah, I, I don't think you can sleep on him. I think Donovan Peoples Jones has a shot to rise and to, to be the three receiver, you know, ultimately because, you know, they got to look for the future and see if he can be the guy. So I think you're absolutely right. Is that the different roles there between Peoples Jones, Hodge and Higgins are going to be very interesting in camp. And then you got to find a spot for Schwartz and you re-sign Jojo Natson. So I think you got to keep six. I, I don't see them cutting, you know, two of those guys, but they could. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't think they will either. I think they can trim some other places like, you know, if they're not going to use a fullback a ton and they think the third tight end can do the fullback stuff, there's no reason to keep Andy Janovich. There's just not. So that's a place they could create a position too. So uh, the last two for me, Fred, are a little more under the radar. I, I think the, the battle between who's going to be the third running back on the roster between Dearness Johnson and Demetrius Felton is an interesting one to me because uh, at the beginning of the year, sort of as the year wore into the middle of the year, I should say, Donovan Peoples-Jones was returning kickoffs, and I just didn't like how he returned kickoffs. Very indecisive, seemed to he, – he's a decent enough straight-line runner, but really no wiggle, doesn't really make people miss in space. And when Dearness Johnson took over that role, he was very effective, thought he was a nice kick returner. They got some nice returns out of him. He obviously had the run that closed the game against the Colts, that run up the left sideline. I think it was a 32-yard run on a little uh, outside zone concept from the gun, which I liked. Um, and, and he's got, he's a nice player. He's, he's a nice player. He's a nice third back. Most teams don't have a nice third back. He's fine. But is Demetric Felton who has experience at wide receiver and running back, nice wiggle, good speed, all of that. Is he going to be able to handle kickoffs? Can he do the things Dearness Johnson does, but with more versatility? Because I don't know how they keep Demetric Felton. Otherwise they can't keep more than three running backs. I mean, I guess they could. I just don't know how they do that because you have to have a role as the third running back either special teams, whatever. And, you know, when your first two running backs are, are Nick and Kareem, they're, they're obviously going to get a, a good bulk share of the carries. Like it's uh, it's, it, it's, it's just one that is particularly interesting to me because it, it would, it would be really unfortunate if they tried to let him go because if they ended up having to let Felton go, I don't think he would make it to the practice squad. I, I just don't see 
a great avenue for that. And I don't want them to do that. So that's not a, it's not a battle that's going to swing games, but it is one to see how much they like Felton or if, if Dearness can show up and be ready to, to win that job. What's your, what's your last one? I'd say on the defensive line, you know, you got, you don't know how that's going to shake out the, the Jordan Elliott versus, you know, Tommy Togiai, Marvin Wilson, um, Malik McDowell's intriguing. Everybody's concerned, and rightly so, because of letting Sheldon Richardson go. Somebody has to emerge there behind Malik Jackson and Andrew Billings. And, um, and so it'll be interesting to see who does and who they stick with. Because you can keep 16 on the practice squad. That's nice. But almost anybody that you really want, you can't put them on the practice squad because you can only keep four of them. They found out last year they lost Garrett Gilbert when he was exposed and they wanted to keep him, you know. So that's what I see is that defensive interior defensive line battles. It's a great point. I would I would I have that as my last one, too. I think that's a great one, um, especially considering how much question there is along the interior of that D line. I, I will say to piggyback another direction to talk defense still. But another one that's maybe under the radar, since you just listed the one I was going to have, would be the fourth safety. We all know the first three between Ronnie, Grant, and and obviously John Johnson. But who's the fourth guy? Because the fourth guy can become important if there's a COVID issue with, with anybody in any position. Is, is Sheldrick Redwine a guy they didn't even trust to get on the field at all last year? He couldn't even beat out Anderson Deho to find the field. And he was really, really bad when he found the field. One is... In the low 40s pro football focus grade uh, was a reason they busted several coverages. Just they didn't trust him. Is Richie LeCount, the guy they drafted late this past year out of Georgia, who came in with questionable metrics as far as his, his speed and, and all of that stuff, but largely because he dealt with a, a motorcycle accident, I believe, uh, or a car accident. It's one of the two. He was in an accident. They, they trust the on-field speed data. They like about him. He's a nice, he, I think he was a more effective center fielder at Georgia playing that free safety role than when it went to split coverage stuff. So um, is he going to be able to take that fourth safety spot from Sheldrick Redwine? Because Redwine would be cut after only two seasons in the NFL. So that would be like a really, a really quick decision to make on Sheldrick Redwine's career. I just don't know how they keep five safeties when they have all of these corners that they're trying to, to fit into different roles too. So I think it gets a little crowded in that respect. They could, uh, but, but I don't know. That's that, that role is like, okay, if you're going to keep LeCount, then it probably means you're sacrificing red wine. And I don't even know if that they, they care all too much. They didn't draft him. He couldn't prove anything to them in his first year. So it just seems like he's fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. He isn't the type of player. It seems like Joe Woods wants you, you mentioned it. I remember last year, he had a, a blitz from the corner. I don't remember the quarterback, but he bounced off him. Like, like yeah. he didn't even get him on the ground and he was on a, on a untouched. And you can't have that. You can't have a guy that's so slight that he can't get the guys down, you know? And, and so I just don't think he's the type of safety they want. No, I don't, I don't either. So I guess I would be surprised if Redwine made the roster, but I, again, you got to see the count if he's, if he's able to handle the NFL stuff right away, because I think they're going to count on those guys will obviously be big time special teams participants. Can he find a role there? That's what it really boils down to. Any other, any other battles you're paying attention to Fred offhand? Maybe we didn't talk about. Well, I think on the offense, the offensive line, obviously the starting units, you know, set, but I think you got Chris Hubbard who's so valuable, 
you know, but he's coming off the ACL and he's, and he's at just under 5 million. He's still the fourth highest paid guy on the offensive line. And uh, he's not a starter. Can you trust either a Drew Forbes or a James Hudson to take on that role? Um, You know, so that, that will be interesting as well as the backup guards. You know, we saw Blake Hance and Michael Dunn late in the, late in the year. Will they be able to make a push to make the team? So that's where I see intrigue on the offensive line is those backup swing positions. That's a good, that's a good one to talk about. Um, you could talk about tight end, whether maybe David Njoku ends up overtaking Austin Hooper for the role of, of more snaps at tight end. I think that's one you could have a discussion about, but that's not really a real battle, but there is a battle. They kept nine linemen last year. If you keep James Hudson, you, Hudson, you keep uh, Nick Harris, you keep Drew Forbes, who everybody likes a lot up that way. And then you keep Chris Hubbard. That's, that's four. And then that leaves like Michael Dunn looking on the outside, looking in. So, does Michael Dunn, who I thought Fred from watching that wild card game before he got hurt late in the, or the beginning of the fourth quarter, he handled he handled Cam Hayward as well as anybody I've seen handled, and that's Joel Batonio included. Like he truly handled him in a fashion that I was like, okay, that guy can play. Like he can play, and and he was a tackle at Maryland and shifted inside the guard. And he was just looking for an opportunity. I don't know, man. I I know that Nick Harris from watching last year's games. Uh, that was uh, when did he come in? He came for the Jets and Giants. I think he was both playing both of those games at guard. He's not an NFL guard. It's too small. Can't anchor. Can't do it. He could be a center, but is having a backup center more important than having a really good guard who could snap the football in a bind? That Nick Harris, Michael Dunn battle will be one that I'll particularly pay close attention to because I really like, I really like Michael Dunn. So anyway, Fred, this was great, man. We got all the battles talked about. There will be more that come up. We'll see if. If injuries or craziness happens, that will that will that will change the outlook of this. But for now, those are the most important battles that we have in front of us heading into camp. We'll pay attention to them as best we can. Fred will will keep us informed, and we'll we'll follow along with the Browns live video that they put up from camp and see see what we can get. And we actually do get some preseason games to judge stuff this year, so that that part of it's really cool too. So, Fred, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great great to talk football as it starts here. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So I uh, think a big shout out again to Fred for joining us, taking time. Uh, I will be back on, on uh, Wednesday night to start a re- and record a pod for Thursday. So hopefully these uh, podcasts have been uh, okay covering camp, getting you ready for camp and you've enjoyed them. And uh, we'll get back to some more day by day content here, here shortly. So appreciate Fred again for joining us. Thanks you guys for listening. Uh, until we talk next time, I'll catch up on everything I've missed at that point. I appreciate you all and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.